Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shapes of Stories podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige. Yeah, really excited to bring you this episode because we're having a chat with someone really, really inspiring, um, the wonderful Ellie Simmons. Um, Ellie Simmons has got uh, eight Olympic medals, I believe five of them are gold, and yeah, I had a really wonderful chat with Ellie Simmons, um, it was like talking to an old mate to be honest, yeah, she's really, really nice, a really friendly, friendly girl, and um, we talked about how she's been doing over the last last year with the, the coronavirus situation, we've been talking about her experiences in the Olympic Games, all, um, she's competed in three now, one in Beijing, uh, London, and Rio, and um, how all those experiences were very, very different for her, um, how she didn't particularly enjoy her Rio experience, and she kind of explains why, and how she's um, looking to, well, she was looking to for this year to to compete at Tokyo, but obviously that's changed, and how she's sort of preparing um, for her time there next year. We talk about um, both being fans of The Crown um, on, on Netflix, and how she got to meet the royal family. She's met all of them, how lucky is that? Um, but yeah, really had fun talking to um, Ellie, really, really nice girl, and I, I hope we can get her on again, because um, yeah, it, it, she was really fun to talk to. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's my wonderful chat with the inspiring Ellie Simmons. Ellie Simmons, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thanks, Lawrence. How are you? I'm good. It's it's been a weird old year, hasn't it? How's it how's it been for you? Oh uh, yeah, it's been a crazy year. Like to be honest, like thinking now it's November, nearly December, and everything that we've that's happened this year, you could not have expected it. And yeah, for for me being an athlete, I was hoping to go to my fourth games in the summer. Um, yeah. And then that being postponed till next year, it's definitely not been the year I was planning. <laughs> yeah, because what, what does that do to you? Because I guess you're like you know, preparing and planning, like you say, to, to be in the Olympics, which is like amazing and just like crazy. But how do you do when it's just suddenly like, okay, no, it's not on, on anymore. Is it sort of mentally devastating, I suppose? Like, yeah, hugely, hugely. I think for me, I'm very much like a planner. I love to know what I'm doing all the time. And this year has definitely not been a year that suited me. Um, <laughs> I wish in a sense that I was a very free will, like go with the flow type of person, but that's not me. And I think as an athlete, you train, like you do have majors once a year, like the Europeans, World Championships, but the main goal of an athlete is an Olympics and Paralympics. And then as soon as January 2020 came, it was all focused towards the summer, all like go, 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 like full-time training and trying to be best like athlete being in in and out the pool too. And then 
come March the 20th, when Boris announced that he was, I think March 20th, around there, that March, um, that Boris said that, oh, we're going in national lockdown. It was like, oh my gosh, the pools are closed, going to be closed. Like, what am I going to do? Like, and at that moment in time, um, the games were still planned for the summer. So it was just trying to like really adapt to, to thinking like, how am I going to keep fit? And then the news that the games had been postponed till next year, it was like really hard mentally because mm-hmm. all your plans, all your like objectives, all your goals go out the window and you think, what's the plan now? Like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I training for? And it's it's hard and it's tough, but I think not just athletes, but I think everyone has had a year of all upside down, things planning, not planning how they wanted. It's it's definitely both mentally tough, but also physically tough as well. Yeah. And obviously, like, we're, we're recording this the week where we find out what tier we're in and everything like that. What Do, do you know what tier you go, you guys are in over there? I think I'm in London, so I think it's tier okay. two. So luckily enough, tier two. and lucky... Um, very lucky that in second lockdown for um the government has allowed elite athletes to still train very lucky that the london aquatic center has still been open so i'm still able to to touch the water and to be able to do gym and stuff so um yeah. hugely lucky that i can still continue a bit in the pool like not to the normal um extent of nine swims and all the gyms and stuff but able to touch the water each day is I'm very, is totally different to first lockdown so for me I'm I'm very lucky yeah because I suppose the pool's not just like your training place I suppose it's kind of like your happy place as well like I'm because I mean how old were you when you started like to, to get into swimming you were like really young weren't you yeah yeah so um yeah the pool as I say is my second home I'm there <laughs> in the morning gym um, in at the pool and then in the afternoon I'm there like nine times a week for two hours in the water and then outside of the water as well so for me it's where I spend most of my time <laughs> apart from at, at my home um, and yeah I, I learned to swim really at the age of five and now I'm 26 so for me um, I'm always a water person I'm in the water all the time so yeah it's it's definitely yeah, a place where it's not just for me, it's a place I love to be able to stay fit and active, but also my mental freedom as well. Like when it's just me in the water, it's like where I'm able to process my thoughts, where I'm able to think about things. It's yeah, it's it's a place I love. Yeah, I suppose it's just a place where you're almost it's like I guess it's like meditation for you, isn't it? Like I suppose like, you know, obviously it's amazing for your physical health swimming but like for your mental health as well I suppose it's just as important really oh hugely hugely like I know like when I've had like a stressful day outside the pool like in life and things like when I go for a nice swim that's my time to really process things it's like when people go out for a jog or for a cycle or or anything like for me when I go for a swim it's my time to really clear my mind and really think about things and like yeah it's my mental freedom in a way like it's sport and exercise is so great for physically but I think there's so many positives about doing exercise because I think it really does help mental health too yeah no absolutely I mean when you said you like you said you were um, started to swim when you were about five years old was was there a point where you realized actually I'm pretty good at this like and you started like uh, getting into it a bit more sort of seriously I suppose yeah I think 
for me, like I started swimming at the age of five because I'm the youngest of youngest of five as well. I've got a huge family, and at the time, my parents just was taking us to learn to swim to be safe around the water. Swimming is is a life skill in a in in a respect because, especially living in Britain, we live next to lakes, rivers, the sea, and for me, it was yeah, just to learn how to swim to yeah and. I think for me as a child, I hated being bored. I like to be doing something all the time. After school, I had to be doing some sort of physical activity, like whether it was swimming, PE, and dance, PE, at stage school, after school, I was doing absolutely everything. And um, I think in a way, swimming clicked with me because it's a sport that is very time consuming. Um, I was, I made a good social f- like circle around there like as a kid going up to each stage like getting my 100 meter badge my 50 meter badge going up and up and up I realized I was pretty good but also it was where my friends were as well so I was like I want to go back to swimming after school mom because I want to hang out with my school friend and my swimming friends and I think re- I realized I was quite good was when I um I, I started competing for my swimming club but I got scouted by British Swimming at the age of about 10, 11. Um, they used to come to competitions just to look out for like the next emerging stars. And about 10, 11, they asked me, do I want to come on the academy programme? And I was like, oh, yeah, like this would be cool. And that's where you learn like all about nutrition, like all about the games, the Paralympics. And I think watching Athens 2004 Paralympics when I was about eight, nine, that was when I was like, this is my dream. I want to go to a Paralympics. I want to be a Paralympian and get a gold medal. And I think after that, like as a kid, like all kids probably have dreams and aspirations, whether they want to be the next Usain Bolt or they want to be a doctor or a nurse or in the army. And I think as an eight, nine-year-old, my dream was set that I wanted to go to a Games. And I think after that, like, my process was all like, oh, I'd love to go to a Games. I want to do everything I can. I was motivated. And then being selected to go on the academy programme. And then, yeah, it just went from there. And I think that's when I started to realise, oh, I'm all right, because I'm on the British para swimming team, like I'm getting there, like I'm only young, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, well, do, doing doing okay, you know, eight medals and five of them gold, not not too not too bad, <laughs> I would say. Um, but yeah, so I guess like with the Olymp- the three Olympics that you've been at, it's Beijing, London, and Rio, is is that right? And you were going into um, Tokyo, but I, from what I can tell, from what I've um, learned about you, is they've all all your Olympics have been pretty different experiences in terms of you know Beijing, the kind of pressure was off you a little bit, and you know, and then London, I guess the pressure was really on you because it was the home games, and you know, you won some medals, and everyone was kind of looking at you, and then you had a kind of like a, sort of a negative experience, I guess you didn't really enjoy the experience of being in Rio, from what I what, what I've read. Um, so I don't know how have they been, how have they been. Um, I mean, in your own words, what, how they've all differed, I suppose. Yeah, like like you've summed it up really well. Like for me, three games, um, Beijing being my first, 2008, where I was going as a 13-year-old, going for experience, really. Like I was mainly going to just know what a games was like. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. It's my first, it was my first ever multi-sporting event. It wasn't just where there was all swimmers from all different nations, but all different nations competing in athletics, 
um, all the sports possible. For me, as a 13-year-old, going to China as well for the summer. Yeah. I was wow. year seven, year seven, year eight, and go, having my whole summer going to China away from my family for like over a month. All of that is new experiences, and I was just loving it. Like, just absolutely thinking it was like going to be a best summer holiday ever. And like, for me, China was just absolutely incredible. Like, I still, the water cubing from Beijing was, is still one of my favorite pools ever because it was just stunning, like beautiful. And I think what the, what the Chinese did and what Beijing did to showcase Paralympic sport was one step ahead from, from previous years in Athens. So to be part of that and to, to do what I did, like going in as a 13-year-old with no pressure, just being able to go out there and enjoy it and to, to get my first Paralympic gold medal, so unexpected. I was not going in as favourite and coming away with a gold medal. I think I was just, you know, as a kid, you're just like, yeah, just so excited all the time, just happy. Yeah. And like, I think because I had no pressure, I was just going out there and doing another swimming gala, which and just absolutely racing my heart out. I think that's how I got my gold medal because I was just like 13, just enjoying it all. And to come away from China with two gold medals, it was, and then coming home to all the, the British public, like the countdown then from coming home was all about London. And then all I wanted to do was just go back to school, go back to normality. <laughs> and I think China was totally different and it was just incredible. And it was, I, I don't remember much from now because I was, I was quite young and it was all a bit of a blur for me, but it was still, it was still a great games from what I remember. And then, like you said, London, four years after that, it was a home games. It was something absolutely incredible. Like the whole lead up, I think with my achievements from Beijing and then like the British public, I think, and the, the press and everything like just clicked on me and I was going into the games, one of the home favorites. So as a 17 year old, that was a lot of pressure and I felt it. And, but for me, I'm very lucky that I can deal with pressure, knowing that someone's watching me or the people are expecting me some to do something in a sense it gives me like fire and I'm like I've got to show them I've got to go out there and show the world what I'm made of and for me London 2012 was my most favorite ever games because I just remember sitting on the sofa watching the opening ceremony of the Olympics and thinking wow like this is so inspiring this is incredible like this is going to be us in a couple of weeks and how like the nation came together and what Channel 4 did and all sponsors like Sainsbury's and all that showcasing what the Paralympics was and still like the last leg is going on now and that was from London 2012 it it showcased Paralympic sport and I think that was the real changing point where Paralympians were seen as the same as Olympians and to be part of that and to to be part of the summer of the most spectacular Olympics and Paralympics and what Team GB and Paralympics GB did it was absolutely incredible and for me to come away with two golds a silver and a bronze it was great because it was nice to have the whole collection of medals. I really like because I can have the whole colours. <laughs> so that's really nice. And yeah, London was a game that I think the British public will never forget. And it's even now, like in the streets, like what well, it was eight years ago now that I'm still getting congratulated from London. I think lots of people remember where they were during the, the 2012 year and that summer. And to be part of that, is just spectacular and then yeah four years after that was Rio 20, yeah. Rio 2016 in Brazil and I was going in very like I'd moved from my coach in Swansea to which was the high performance center for British Paralympics to the at the time to 
um, a new facility, which was Manchester. Again, that was another um, high-performance centre for Paralympic swimming. I changed coaches, and this coach didn't really click with me, or he didn't click with a lot of other para-swimmers, and he was a very di dictatorial role, and it didn't suit a lot of us leading up to the Games. And for me, that's when I fell out of love with my sport. I realised I, I was not wanting to go to the pool. I was really changing it, like, Previously, I'd loved everything about swimming, the opportunities that it gave me, my sport, I loved it, and the people that were around me were incredible. Whereas Rio, there was a lot of sense around the British para swimming team where no one wanted to be there because of this individual. It was very like treading on eggshells all the time. And I think when you're going into your, your third games and going into such a high-pressured environment where you're not wanting to be there, like your mental game is really like lacking and I was just like not wanting to go to my games to go, go to Rio sorry go to those games because I was just so negative about my sport about my swimming so I was so surprised that like I came away with a gold and a bronze in Rio just because my, my physically I was in the best shape of my life but mentally it was yeah not my favorite games just because of the environment that British para swimming created at that time so after Rio, I decided to take a year out from the sport just to realise, like, why I wanted to still swim, like, why I was wanting to, to be involved in it, like, what, why why did I love it? And I think also the fact that, like, I'd been hit, like, I got a gold medal, I'd gone to the, the Games at such a young age from the age of, like, 13 and now being a 21-year-old, my life was all about swimming and I realised, I wanted to try and realise take a year out because to realize why like who I am as an individual I'm not Ellie Simmons the swimmer like what what other things are about me like what I wanted to figure myself out and I think 2017 was one of the best years of my life because I was able to like wake up and think where should I go today like I learned so much about myself like and about the world and what I want to do what makes me tick away from the pool and it was the best year of my life and I realized like yeah the reasons why I love swimming why do I want to carry on I want to go to another game so I want to inspire like so many other people and I think yeah it's been an incredible journey from highs to lows but I'm very lucky like I love my sport now and I'm in such a great place and I'm looking forward to my fourth games that's great. So, so after Rio, did you really have to have a sort of long, hard think, do I want to do another game? Oh, hugely, hugely. Yeah, yeah t totally. Like, I think having a year out, going out, travelling, like, um, really, like, opened my eyes and opened my doors to the reasons why I swim. I think I was very, like, very self-centred, very, like, tunnel vision and realising that when, I think when you travel, you realise there's a whole world out there and, like, swimming at that point for me was like life or death like if I didn't swim well it was like it was the end of the world and realizing like it's just a sport like it's something that I should love to do like there's so many people out there who are like just carrying on with their day and not really bothering about like swimming and it's not it's not life or death it's just something that I should love to do like because it's mm -hmm. it's what I want to do and I think like traveling it makes you realize like there's so many other opportunities out there and like meeting lots of new people like I got so much confidence traveling on my own and just open my doors to to a lot of other opportunities 
That's great. And I, I suppose the pressure as well changes. Does it increase each time you do it? Because I guess you kind of go from the 13-year-old girl in Beijing to just kind of being like, I'm here, woo, <laughs> you know. And then like, you know, you're. I guess you're kind of like the target now for people to, to beat, right? Yeah, yeah, hugely. And I think, yeah, it changes all the time. And I think also like, I'm old and now, like, I'm going into my fourth games as a 26-year-old, like... That's not old, that's not old. <laughs> the swimming it is. Oh, there's so many youngsters coming through. And like I said, like, from Beijing, I was 13 and now going up into my hopefully fourth games as a 26-year-old. Like, swimming is a very, like, tiring sport. Like, it's early doors in the morning and training in the afternoon. Like, your body, it takes its toll. And I think you learn a lot more about yourself as a, as an adult too from when you're a kid. You're just going out there and enjoying. Like your body doesn't, it takes, it's not as long to rest and recover and go again. Whereas now like I have to like really like think about yoga and stretching all the time to, to be able to like go again. Like I've done a session already, swim and gym and I'm like so tired from it. Like whereas as a 13 to 17 year old, like, I would be like, yeah, come on, coach Billy, like, let's go again, like, I can do it, like, and it's just trying to, like, know what your body can do and not do, and just try and, like, look after yourself, and it changes a lot. Yeah, we had, um, a few weeks ago, we had Becky Adlington on, and she said, you know, when she came back from Beijing, you know, you almost had, you were kind of in the spotlight when you guys came home, you know, and it was, she was like, what's, what's going on, this is all crazy, like, you know, she sort of turned into a celebrity, you know, um, from, from her experience in the Beijing, and it was all very, it was all really, really positive for her. And, but then it got to a point after a while where it got a bit negative. She was kind of targeted um, online abuse and, and and things like that. And you know, and things in the press and comedians and stuff like that were sort of um, not making some nice comments about her. Did you ever have to deal with anything like that in terms of just being like, I guess that real realization of I'm in the spotlight now, and then and then suddenly did it ever did you have to ever have to deal with any kind of negative stuff? online yeah luckily enough throughout my career I've not had any negative things online um which is absolutely like I speak to my agent all the time and I'm like how is this like yeah I'm very lucky that like I haven't which is so nice and I think also like for me being at being like strung into the spotlight from such a young age at the age of 13 like I've grown up trying to like dealing with it like yeah. dealing with like getting recognized and stuff and like knowing that sometimes people are watching me and like they're expecting me what to what to what to do and all that and I'm really lucky as well that I've had super supportive friends and family especially my parents like they've always like oh um like try and keep me grounded as much as possible which I think is so good because we are normal humans like we just excel at what what our talent is and we're just good at what we do but I think yeah my parents are very great that they keep me fully grounded and it, it has been hard like you come back from a games and you have like the three to four months of being saying yes to everything go, getting involved in red carpets and going to award shows going to, on tv things and then come January you're like come on like we've got to get back to full-time training so I find that hard because you're used to being like saying yes to everything like doing all this like being like like Becky said being strung into the spotlight and then going back to normality it's like you go from such a high of everything after a games to like back to normal like go back to the early hours of swimming and stuff and that's quite tough because I don't think people realize that after you train so hard for a games and then all of a sudden it's over it's and it's like back to reality I'd say that's quite tough 
Yeah. Well, was it different for you at secondary school after the Beijing experience? Kind of, was it difficult for you to kind of get your sort of secondary school studying on and then being in the spotlight after Beijing as well? Yeah. No, I found that super hard. Like, yeah, I've gone from a summer of like being in China and then also London. I was seventeen, so I was doing. I was in sixth form then, and you go from like having a summer of being away all the time to like then going back to normality and back to school I really enjoyed I loved school and so I was like when as soon as I got back and like my school wanted to do lots of things like um celebrate me and all I wanted to do was just be back to normal and back to a normal school like back to Ellie and which I found a bit tough because they wanted to celebrate me but I was just like come on, like, I want to, like, just go back to being a normal student like everyone else. And But I was very lucky, like, school was super supportive because I think it was the year before London, I was doing my GCSEs and being away a lot on training camps, competitions. Like, you've got, like, I, I think I sat most of my GCSEs at, in, a, in a camp in Spain, in a Spanish school. Like, being, like, trying to balance, like, school education plus being a full-time athlete I think that was quite tough like I'm looking now that as an older athlete like I can get to nap in the day and stuff and not have to worry about school like I remember as a kid I used to swim in the morning go to school from like 8 45 till like three o'clock and then my mum would pick me up from school and I'd go straight to training for two hours and I was like by the end of it I was exhausted but now I'm lucky that I can nap and just try and rest and recover as much as possible but um yeah like it was hard like trying to balance school and education and it's so important but be a full-time athlete too yeah no absolutely uh, I suppose so what do you I mean I, I know that away from swimming what what do you kind of do um because I know you're, you're into your baking uh, uh yeah what kind of stuff do we do we do, would you uh, can you tell us that you do sort of uh outside the pool so yeah I love baking I love traveling as well like this year has been totally different because I was in Japan in January but sitting like after that um yeah we have not been able to I've not been able to go away just because of this year but normally I love traveling like um love experiencing new things I'm very outdoorsy love like going on adventures going on walks and stuff um just try and be a normal 26 year old like hang out with friends um Mm -hmm. I love like going out for dinner and very lucky like with London we've got so many amazing coffee shops and brunch and stuff so just doing that type of stuff but I think for me like traveling is something that my one of my passions and very passionate about ocean conservation um and um work I work for an I am water which is an ocean conservation charity and that's what I did on part of my time on my year off was I went to South Africa for a month and and Mexico and did all of that like just realizing that there's so much out there in the world and like especially in the ocean and the sea and how how we can do to preserve it so yeah very passionate like what David Attenborough says all about that and I think it's in start starting to get in people's eyes now some views about protecting our environment and climate change and all that type of stuff so I love all that all that that's great do you do you swim in the sea quite a bit as well I used to be terrified of the sea because of Jaws as a child and I'd be like <laughs> I'm not as long as there's a few now I'm kind of like I'll go in the sea but as long as there's a few people a bit further out than me so the shark can get them first if there's a Jaws experience then that's fine I know uh, I think a lot of people I think sharks have a really bad 
bad reputation because of Jaws and like what yeah. they're viewed like in in the media but actually they're they're absolutely incredible like animals um my favorite animal is like in the ocean is like whale sharks and mm. turtles I love them but yeah I've actually been very lucky that I've been able to swim with um uh, black teep reef, reef sharks and white oh, wow. teeps and yes yeah, and bull sharks were at the bottom and tiger sharks but they are quite daunting but once you like get in the water with them and you're like just trying to be in their territory and be like them then they're they're pretty incredible mm. creatures but so were you, were you like in the, in a cage or were you just like swim outside swimming yeah them? free diving with them oh wow yeah so it's it's yeah like it is crazy because I think what's what's scary about like the sea and the ocean is it's so vast and all these waves and stuff like it's quite daunting but once you get underneath it's a whole different world and the, like people are saying that there's like so much of the the oceans and the seas that have hardly been discovered and I think that's what people get scared about because it's the unknown they're so deep that you don't know what's out there but actually like once you go like one I remember this time when I was in Mexico um I went under like I was in um I can't remember what ocean it was but um I heard like humpbacks singing to each other it was the males like doing the mating call and like it was the most magical experience ever and like I think sometimes people like they have such a negative thought about like the waves and all that but like there's so many beautiful things out there with in 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 the unknown yeah absolutely so so have you got some places that you really want to travel to yeah yes i'd love to go to tonga and fiji that's on my next um list um yeah those because there's i love to swim with humpbacks okay um, nice. that's my next like bucket list tick so um <laughs> next year hopefully well i was planning to go this year but because after Tokyo it couldn't happen so um next year that would be incredible that's great I've I've seen, I've seen as well before you that you've spoke out about sort of mental health and mental toughness and, and things like that is there when you are having those moments where you have been struggling throughout years your years and stuff is there do you have a sort of um way that you sort of keep yourself mentally strong um I think, like, it's tough, like, to be mentally strong all the time. Um, like, I, I think where, where I've come to it is now is to accept when you're not feeling, like, on it and when you're not feeling, like, we're all human. There's days where you're feeling good. There's days when you're not feeling good. And sometimes there's no reasons why you're not, like, there's no reasons for, for feeling low. Like, you just... It's just how you've woken up in the day. And I think for me, like, as I'm getting older, the acceptance that there is going to be days where you're feeling low and there's no reasons for it. I think for me, how I try to overcome it is talking to people. I'm very yeah. lucky that, like, my coach, Billy Pai, who's been my coach from Beijing 2008, London 2012, and now after Rio to, to, to Tokyo, and he's my best friend and we talk about everything all the time and like whenever there's like something going on in personal life or training or we sit down and we have like a massive talk and it's it's not like it's oh come on Bill like let's meet now da, 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 da. we it just happens naturally like I'm like Bill can we chat like can we have a few hours just chatting away and I think I'm very lucky that I've got him and because once I've spoken to him and 
voiced it and got it off my head I feel so much I feel 10 times better because I've voiced Mm -hmm. like my thoughts and feelings and I think having that someone or having an individual or I know there's a lot of amazing helplines these days for mental health talking to people is is the biggest thing and I find that is 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 so helpful for me and I'm sure a lot of people when, once they voice their thoughts and their feelings and opinions or what's ever going on in their head that they feel better yeah no absolutely I, I think talk like learning to be able to talk about your feelings is is so huge and it, for whatever reason it's difficult more difficult it seems for guys to be able to do that like myself included but but it does feel so much the best best way I could describe it is my I'm going kind of a Disney analogy here um, with the genie in the lamp and you kind of, you're keeping this all in you're kind of suffocated with all this type of energy and power and you're just keeping it to yourself and then when you're out the lamp and you're sort of free you know it's a really sort of like relief of feeling um so yeah no I, I really agree that I do think sort of being able to talk is is just huge it just takes just to kind of share that those feelings with someone it is huge I think do you think it's changing like because I know that I, I can't voice my feelings and opinions for men but like I feel like this year it's changing for men because there's this thing stigma that men they have to be physically tough mental tough like they have to be strong I feel like this year has definitely been a big change for men and the acceptance like even for men like it's it's okay not to be okay and men do get emotional and it's it's not a bad thing do you feel like that it has changed from a male's perspective I think slowly it is I think I think slowly it's um it's one of these things where where guys feel like it's not something to be ashamed about and then I think guys are more happier to listen but when I think when it's a guy that is going through it it's a little bit harder because if someone that doesn't understand it and I'm probably someone that's guilty of it before I, I think before I was sort of in my before I dealt with depression in my 20s I was um I kind of felt that depression was someone that just couldn't handle if someone had depression it was just someone that couldn't handle being sad and then when you go through it yourself, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually a really, this isn't sadness. This is just a really weird, intense, rubbish feeling. Yeah, it's like being empty, isn't it? And like... Yeah, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's a sadness, is it? It's just, it's just sort of nothingness. It, yeah, it's a weird... And you want to be okay, but actually like there's nothing, like you're in this massive deep tunnel where you just, there's literally nothing you can do to make you feel better. And like you try yeah. your hardest and like there's so many people around you that try and make you happy, but like it's only you and it's, it's, a, it's a horrible feeling. I know how you felt like it's, it's definitely not nice. And I think there's loads of people out there who have had that feeling once in their life or even more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think what I say to any guy that's struggling to open up about that is uh, there's an amazing video of The Rock, who's probably the most macho man in the world, like the, the most alpha man out there. And he's there's a video of him online, and you can probably search on YouTube, Google, anyone that's listening. Um, and he he talks about like, yeah, I went through depression. This is how I dealt with it. It's okay. It's you know, you're not alone. You can all get through it. And if I think if any guy can sort of see the rock's been through it, we all need to kind of get over ourselves and be like, any guy can go through it. Yeah, hugely. Like, like you say, he's he's very. You view him as very masculine. He's strong. He's tough. And if he's been able to go through it and cope with it, then it's 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 a great picture for other people. Yeah, and I, I guess what's different for for females, I suppose, and especially young females. 
um, there's more that kind of pressure on body image and things like that, whether it be Instagram and stuff. Do you kind of, have you ever had to worry about, have you ever had difficulties that yourself or can sort of worry about the younger people that have to sort of Instagram and feel like they have to look a certain way? Oh, hugely. I think like, like you said, Instagram, even for myself, like my body is my engine. Like I, I use my body every single day to to be the best athlete that I can be but there is still sometimes and I think especially Instagram you view what you think this ideal body should be like you see these incredible beautiful models who are stick thin who are flaunting themselves all the time and you think wow like their bodies are amazing like why is my body not like that and there is days when you're like even myself I'm like oh gosh like I need to be skinnier and need to be like thinner and all that type of stuff and then I try to think to myself why are you thinking like this Elle like your body has got you to so many amazing games like so many incredible bodies yeah I should be confident and like happy in myself yet I'm still looking at other people thinking wow like why shouldn't why I wish I could look like that and especially I think for me having a disability like dwarfism or chondroplasia I'm not like an average person my body is totally different and yet I'm still like looking at people thinking oh I wish I could have long legs and it is hard and I think social media there's there's good uses for it but also there's there's negative uses for it too and I think a lot of pressure is get put on women to view this idealistic view and how they should look like but I think hopefully it's changing especially I feel like personally this year you see so many different shape models and I think a lot of like advertising brands from clothes companies and in the in that type of world they're they're using not this normal average um the same type women they you they're branching out and they're using all different types of body shapes and I think that's incredible and I think for the younger generation that's amazing that they're seeing all these types of big women bigger women um or average like not bigger women that sounds but you know women that are stick thin that they're mm. they're different sizes and I think that's still amazing like whatever shape size you are you're you're incredible and it's it's everyone we're human when if it if we were all look the same then it would be boring if we yeah. so like everyone is absolutely amazing no matter what shape or size yeah, I, th- I think for me, it, it's more the worry of, of Instagram that is when you see the real younger people on Instagram. I, I'm amazed, because obviously as a children's author and stuff, you get followers, like po- people pop up and stuff, and it's like, you're nine, and why you got Instagram for? What's going on? Like, you know, commenting on a photo or whatever. You're at my school today, amazing. I'm like, what? You're like nine years old while you're on Instagram, that's crazy. I think it's more the worry that the real sort of younger kids might be exposed to stuff like that. Because sometimes when I go around schools and... I kind of say, well, what do you want to do when you're older? And, you know, how are you going to achieve that? The amount of people, amount of kids that's a bit worrying that say, I want to be a YouTuber when I when I grow up, or I want to be an Instagram model. I've had 10-year-old girls say to me they want to be an Instagram model, which is insane. So I think it's just stuff like that that worries me a little bit. Like, we kind of really got to be careful. About, well, I guess it's more of a social media thing, like what kids are being exposed to, because we don't want to kind of put this falsity of, this is what reality is when you get older thing up yeah hugely and like like you said like they're not wanting to be like the nurse the doctor or like what like I remember in school like I wanted to be a vet like Mm -hmm. and um like loads of other people I'm sure at our age I think are you the same age as me you see it but 
I'm 31, so a little bit older than you. That's why I was like, 26, I was not old, don't. I'm having a crisis here. But yeah. When we were like kids, I'm sure everyone that wanted to be like next fire fire department, like all the police, all that type. And now, like like you say, you go into schools. I've been into quite a few different schools too. Like they want to be like influencers and all that. And it's it's trying to change their perception of, yeah, like social media is amazing. and But not everyone is going to be the next Love Island star or next, mm-hmm. like there's so many other amazing opportunities and so many other incredible jobs that should get the same recognition too. Yeah. Do you like those programs like Love Island and things like that? Do you are you a fan of? No, I love like. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I wish like not wish I did, but like it's sometimes hard when everyone's talking about it. Yes, but, um, all the time. Yeah, no, like at the moment, like I'm into the Crown. Oh, so am I. I see. I've just started. I've so I'm, I've got series. Four, I've just started it because everyone's been getting on about it recently. So I'm on series two. Um, but but yeah, I know it's a really popular minute. You enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, I am. So I've just started series four actually, um, and it's good. I prefer like when Claire Foy and um, yeah. I love Olivia Coleman. She's absolutely incredible actress. But um, I think I like like Matt Matt Damon, not Matt Damon, Matt um, Matt Smith is it? Yeah, Matt, Matt Smith, Smith yeah. who was um, the Queen's husbands. I preferred them, but like it's still it's still mm-hmm. good now because I think Diane. Well, Diana's just coming into it and to see her in it because I always liked her. Yeah, I was when I found out that Claire Foy stops doing it after um, series two. I was like, oh no, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. Will I still be able to get into it in season three? Because like she's just so good as as uh, Queen Elizabeth. She is. It's it's good. Like I think I like things like that and like. Um, David Attenborough shows and um, all that type of stuff than than reality. Like I do love the Bake Off, but that's different. Yeah. So have you been to Buckingham Palace? Because I know you've. Uh, yes, you have. Well, what was that experience like? So, so who have you met royal wise? Um. So I'm very lucky. I've met them all. Um, oh, amazing! Because like after a games, um, the Team GB and Paralympics GB, I invited to um, yeah Buckingham Palace. So we're very lucky that we've. We've been able to um go to um like the palace and meet all the the royals like um the king uh, not the king, what's his name Prince Philip Prince Philip and um yeah uh, the Queen and Kate Middleton and Harry and all those types of individuals so it, we're very lucky I love like Kate Middleton and Prince William they're my favourite <laughs> so yeah so so when you when you sort of met the royal family like for you was it kind of like were you really nervous, like, meeting the the Queen, for example? Was it, like, oh, wow, like... Oh, hugely. And, like, especially, like, um, so I got... An, I was very lucky and very incredibly honoured to... I received an MBE, so a member of the British mm-hmm. Empire in after Beijing, after my achievements, um, uh, after... And I was 13, 14 when I got um, to go to um, the palace and get awarded that um, and met meeting the queen and as a 14 year old going to Buckingham Palace like getting dressed up um, and you go in a room before you're about to meet her and you get told all the things like oh um, curtsying how you pr- say her name like she addresses you you're not allowed to like walk like turn your back to her towards her so I remember I think more nervous that I, the fact that I didn't want to offend her or didn't want to mess up with or anything like 
the protocols that you have to go through so I think but once I met her I remember thinking she's just like my grandma like she's just so sweet and wonderful so I think I was nervous to the fact yeah like I was meeting her but more I didn't want to yeah cock up in a way (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's brilliant yeah I've always wanted to maybe one day who knows but yeah long live the long live the queen um yeah big big uh, fan of the queen and the the crown (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, do you, I mean, one thing we do have in common is you've written a few children's books as well, right? Yeah. Ellie's Magical Bakery. Uh, was that something that, you, that you've always wanted to do? Or is it something that it was like a project um, for a, a short period of your um, life? Or um, I think, for me, it was something I always wanted to do. Like... I love baking and I always wanted like when I was a kid I went in at school in the library I was always looking for like stories related to baking and overcoming things and I just couldn't find like the perfect one so when the opportunity blew up like to to be able to have the opportunity to write it I was just like yeah because it's always something that I've wanted to like have and to 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 be an author is always such an honour and so it came about and I came up with these ideas about Ellie's Magical Bakery going on adventures relating it to bakering and baking and having her own bakery and how she overcomes things and having a a, a pet cat and all these types of things it was just yeah something that is just amazing and when you see kids reading it and like when I get messages saying oh this is in my school library like I'm like wow like it's so yeah, it's great, and I'm sure you know that feeling too. When like you you have this enjoyment of writing it and going through the illustration, like Kimberly Scott illustrated it, and all these types of things, and then you see like kids enjoying it. It's a very like warming feeling that they're enjoying what you, the things that you've done. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing, and I I suppose kids must really enjoy your book because it's because with your um story as well, you kind of have the. Uh, you know just because you're small doesn't mean you can't achieve something and it, kids must really relate to that because obviously you have well, Ellie, Ellie lives with her auntie and uncle and not nice cousin is it is that right yeah so the Scrooges yeah. and um yeah um, Colin um the cousin and it's just about like the story is about how she overcomes things like she gets told all the time like she's not good enough she can't do this she can't bake and she overcomes that with going on adventures and proving them wrong plus with the love of what she loves to do and her her parents have passed away and her, her dad leaves her all these messages and the things it's just trying to like relate to kids that no matter if you get told you can't do something you can like you can achieve anything you want to and it's just about self-belief and if you love something just keep keep that passion alight and keep doing it yeah no absolutely absolutely and I mean this is because I have different children's authors on the podcast sometimes we talk about stuff do you, so you actually write your books right <laughs> yeah yeah get help that's good I mean because you know it's it's really good when um you know someone that's passionate like yourself David Williams and Tom Fletcher from McFly like sorry David Williams books are incredible too yeah yeah and they're, and they're, they're really passionate about writing but there are I don't want to mention names but there are people that perhaps don't write their own books as well um so you know it's, it's really good that that you do actually have a passion for it you know you don't just kind of put your name to a book and go okay let's just see if it sells yeah it, I was able to go through the process and being able to like even the illustration and the colours of the book and like the mm. Because I think when when a kid picks up a book, like, yeah, it's not all about, like, the, what the book looks like. But I think when a 
kid sees a good colour of a book and like the illustrations and all that they're attracted to it and they want to pick it up and read it so to be part of that and to choose all the different colours and the names and all that I was yeah I loved it that's great and if you, you get letters from kids as well as sometimes I suppose yeah so like messages like you say on Instagram and Twitter and stuff and when they've read yeah. it it's it's su- such a good feeling mm-hmm is it, is it something that perhaps you you see yourself writing more or anything after, after swimming or? There's never a no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think at the moment, like I'm very proud of the, the four books that I've got. Um, but maybe in the pipeline in the future, I'd love to. And at the moment, I'd, I'm trying to just focus more on my swimming um, and all that type of stuff. But maybe love to in the future have a few more. Yeah. I think it's the ideas at the moment. I haven't got anything I like ideas in my brain in my mind of what like what I want to do um but maybe as as I in the future as I retire and maybe some more ideas will pop up into my my mind Um, Mm and at the moment I'm a bit stale in that aspect (laughs) yeah is it a bit is it when you think about sort of retiring from swimming is it quite a scary feeling since you've been doing it since 13 is the four or you do you think like you're gonna you're someone like right I've done it I'm at peace with it and I can still because swimming always be part of your life because you know it'll always be your sort of safe place um I think no like I think when I was younger then yeah but I think I've got to that point now as an as an older athlete that's when the time comes I'll be ready and there's so many other like I've achieved my dream I've achieved what I wanted to do in the pool what at the moment I'm carrying on and whatever comes now is is bonuses so I think I'm at that stage where I'm ready for that next adventure that next chapter and so when that time does come I think I'm I'm going to be open to it so it's I'm not scared of it scared of it at all Brilliant. So 2021, have you got your sights set on some more medals? <laughs> hopefully. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Like, just to go at the moment. I think with this year, it's been tough, both physically and mentally, and not having any competitions, it's been really hard. So I think if hopefully the games go ahead next year, and just to go to a games, like, that's my, that's my aim at the moment. And if I medal, yeah, I would be running around the pool absolutely delighted um but at the moment my aim is just to qualify and just to go yeah it's amazing it's, it's good that you're able to kind of get in the pool now and, and stuff and, and start training because was it I mean when you when it was sort of like earlier in the year when it was really sort of um bad with the virus and the situation the pandemic was was it was it was there any points for you where it was particularly really difficult whether it be just feeling a bit rubbish or uh, being a bit lonely or anything like that, sort of being cut off from things? Or have you always been able to sort of manage those feelings okay? Like lockdown, first lockdown, like it was three to four months out the water. Like it was so tough. Like I've never had that, like even on my year off, like the always, I always like when I was in Australia and when I was in like um, America, I was able to like meet with friends and we would go for a nice swim just to keep fit. Whereas this was three to four months where I could not swim at all and I was having to adapt to to lots of gym stuff lots of yoga classes went for a walk each day or that one time one walk a day that we were allowed and then doing lots of exercise classes it was tough and it was something that I was not used to at all but I think realizing mentally that everyone's in the same position and it's not just a british thing it was worldwide it's a worldwide pandemic like the it was there was sometimes where i was like oh i just want to go back to normal like i just want to like everything to 
wake up and for us to go back to normal straight away um but I think everyone was feeling in those shoes like it's it's not just affected the swimmers or the athletes it's everyone has had to, has had to adapt to a new normal yeah uh, absolutely and um I mean I suppose like you say like for anyone that um is training like a young person training I suppose some advice you would be from what you've said is to really have a good relationship with your coaches right yeah hugely like I'm so lucky that I have like my coach is is there for me all the time and I'm very lucky that I've got that relationship with him not he doesn't he's not just a coach but he's also my best friend too and (laughs) we can have chats and we have banter we have laughs and we've always got something to talk about and yeah he's he's a huge like you see me out competing at games in the pool, but actually it's it's all the support system that helped get me to, to where I am today. And without him and other people like my gym coach, Andy, Nick, all those types, I wouldn't be where I am. And so I'm very thankful for them. Great. And so, so for anyone that's sort of like, whether they be eight, nine or teenager and they're kind of... um. Uh, look up look up to you for inspiration and, and things like that what would the sort of the biggest advice you would give to someone that's um that wants to get into swimming or any kind of sport or anything like um don't give up I think there is going to be times it's not always going to be plain sailing like it's not easy like there is times where you do have to force yourself to go training or get out of bed or do all that this type of stuff like it's yeah it's not an easy ride and I think just keep working at it keep there is some times where you're gonna have to sacrifice things but you've got it and if you want something and you want to achieve something it's gonna take blinking hard work yeah absolutely well Ellie it's been absolutely amazing talking to you today um I will be cheering you on in 2021 uh but yeah uh, make sure you stay safe and uh yeah it's been Yeah, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Um, Wonderful chat there with Ellie Simmons. Makes you you proud to be British, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, such an inspiring person that we have to look up to um, in this country. And just one of those people that really make you think to yourself, you know, no matter what you want to achieve, it's just about um, persevering, determination, commitment and never giving up. And Ellie really um, embodies that, embodies those things. Um, Yeah, an, an amazing story, a really inspiring person. And um, yeah, and good luck to her in 2021. I will be cheering her on for sure um, next year. Um, and she's she's going to get medal this place. Come on, we know she's going to get medaled, and we're going to go for gold again, Ellie. Come on, we can do it. And um, yeah, so really great talk to Ellie there. Um, be sure to check her out on social media, Ellie Simmons, and be sure to check us out on social media. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the shapes of stories you can follow us um at sorry shapes of stories and you can follow me on instagram under prestige books you can follow me on facebook under lawrence prestige and my personal twitter account is l prestige 7 so i look forward to talking to you guys for another episode we've got some exciting things lined up for you and yeah can't wait to share more wonderful episodes of the shapes of stories with you cheers bye